0: I read a story some time back about a certain, I guess he was a motivational type speaker, but he would begin his seminars that he would hold by getting his wallet out and pulling out a $20 bill. And he would hold up that $20 bill and he would ask everybody, who would like to have this $20? Well, of course, everybody's hand went up, you know. I started to do that tonight and I thought, no, I'm not doing that. Amen. But, uh, (laughs) But everybody's hand went up because everybody was interested in that $20. So the hands go up all over the audience, and then he would say, Well, I'm going to give it to one of you, but first I want to do this. And so he took the $20 bill in his hand and he just wadded it up and he crumpled it all up. And then uh, after he crumpled it up, he said, Okay, who still wants this $20? Well, hands still go up everywhere. And he said, well, what if I do this? And he threw it on the on the ground and he took his foot and he just crushed it under his foot and rubbed his foot over it, smashed it real good. Then he picked up the crumpled and the dirty $20 bill after he'd smashed it with his shoe. And he said, now who wants it? And the same hands that had went up before went up again. Everybody still wanted that $20 bill. And so he told him. he said, you have learned a valuable lesson. And that lesson is that no matter what I do to this money, you still want it because it did not decrease in value. It's still worth $20. Even though it was crumpled, even though it was wrinkled, even though it was now dirty, it was still valued the same. And so you know many times in our lives we are we are dropped. We are crumbled up. We are ground into the dirt uh, by our decisions or by our circumstances that come our way or by the enemy. And we come to a place, I don't know if anybody's ever been here, I'm sure all of us have, that we feel like we're worthless and we feel like that we're of no value. Anybody ever felt that way? Satan's always good at making us feel like that. But see, no matter what has happened in life, in God's eyes, and here's the... The thought that I want to get across to all of us tonight in God's eyes, we never lose our value we are still valuable to the Lord. Whether we're clean, whether we're dirty, whether we're crumpled up, whether we're finely creased, we are still priceless to Him. And Jesus thought we were so valuable that He went to the cross and gave His life and went through what He did in His suffering and His crucifixion to die for us. We sang that song, He thought I was to die for and he and he did and that's why that he did he thought that we were worth saving and I I'm so glad that he did because I tell you what none of us deserved to be saved none of us deserve what we have tonight as children of God and that's what mercy is and that's what grace is is that we get what we do not deserve we didn't get what we did deserve but through the grace of God he gives us what we don't deserve. Amen. There may be some of us here in this service tonight that feel like that, well, you know, maybe our life isn't just, isn't worth that much. Think maybe that we're beyond repair. And you know, there comes times, ladies and gentlemen, all of our lives that we need a restoration, a renewal and a restoration. I love the 23rd Psalm, you know, one of the things about the shepherd. In the twenty-third psalm, is that He restores our soul. The soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. You know, we are a spirit being. We're a spirit. Uh, we're, you know, all of us are are a tripart being. We're a spirit, soul, and body. We are a spirit. We have a soul that is uh, so close to our spirit and a part of our spirit. And we live in this physical body. This is the house that the real you lives in. But that soul is the emotions, the mind, the will that all of us have. And there are times we need to be restored in our emotions and restored in our mind. And so that's one thing that the shepherd does is he... He restores our soul. Amen. But there's times that we feel like that uh, the Lord has turned his back on us. There's times that we get down and we get discouraged and we feel like that uh, we're just uh, left all, to our, all on our own and like our life is just withering away. There's no joy there anymore. And you know what? If you've accepted that fact that you can never have joy or never have restoration, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're going through, I want to give you some news tonight, some good news tonight that I know somebody and you do too that takes those lives that are worthless and withering and he's the one, Jesus is the one that can and will and does bring restoration to those lives who are withering and who are hurting. Amen. There was an Old song and brother brother Carl Smith used to sing it uh, at our at our at the old church down here. He would, we, we, he would sing it as a special every once in a while. But that old song says, "Some call him Savior, the Redeemer of all men, but I call him Jesus, for He's my dearest friend. When you feel no one can help you and your life is out of hand, I know a man who can." How many knows that man tonight who can help us? Amen. Give him a praise if you would. Amen. Praise God. And that's what I love about this particular miracle here in Mark chapter number 3 because it's in this miracle. There is a man whose life is withering away. The Bible says that he has a withered hand. He has a paralyzed hand. And, um, you know, we don't know exactly what happened that caused his hand to be withered, but from studying uh, the commentaries and what different ones have written about this man with the withered, hand more than likely he was not born this way but it was something that happened to him it was either an accident or it was a disease that he had but uh, he had lost his usefulness of that hand Luke even says in Luke's account he says that it was the man's right hand of course Luke was a physician and you know those in the medical profession you know they're a little more precise it was his right hand but being his right hand hand, it meant that he had lost his usefulness. More than likely that he was probably right-handed. And so he finds himself and how long he had been in this situation we don't know. But he finds himself helpless and hopeless. I read where one tradition says, uh, some some of the Bible historians say that he was, this guy was a stonemason. And that uh, now because of the injury that he has had to his hand that caused it to wither up, he's now unable to work. So he's unable to provide for his family. He's to a place where he has to depend upon charity. His life is withering and wasting away. But this particular day in this synagogue in Capernaum, Jesus changed everything. And what Jesus did for this man is he can do for you, and He can do for me. Amen. We may not have a withered hand. I kind of do a little bit. I got something wrong with mine, but uh, I can still use it. But whether it's a withered hand, but but I believe that it's pointing here, and the the the. Um, the, the 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 scripture here is giving the illustration of of a life that is withered up of a spiritual condition that that so many people have and Jesus can change everything no matter how withered our lives may be maybe all the joys gone out of your life maybe you don't have any peace like you need to have maybe there's just you know something going on there and you're you're you' you're your soul is just withered up, but he will restore your soul today. But there's some things I want to point out and notice in this, in this text and in this uh, story here of this man's healing. And that is the first thing was that when he had the withered hand restored, he was in the right place. He was in the right place. he happened to be where Jesus was, and where Jesus was and where he had this encounter, the Bible said was in the synagogue, so it was in the place of worship. The Bible said that Jesus entered the synagogue again. I like that. I like that Jesus entered the synagogue again, and here was this man, probably Jesus this wasn't the first time that Jesus had encountered. This man, because Jesus, I'm going to tell you something about Jesus. Can I tell you something about Jesus? He was faithful to the house of worship. He was. And just like y'all that are here on this Sunday night, I mean, uh, he was there every Sabbath. That's where it was his custom to go to the house of God. And so we're told here that that Jesus went to the synagogue and here was this man. We see that he was in the house of God as well. So there's something that we can kind of pull out of here about this guy with the withered hand. And that was that he was faithfully acquainted with the house of God. I believe that's something that's very important in our lives, and something that's very good to be acquainted faithfully with the church, with the house of God. They didn't have to give this guy a first-time visitor card when he came in because he was there on every occasion that he could be in the house of the God, uh, house of the Lord. So here is a man who, who who didn't, and I think this is so interesting. Here's a man who did not allow his problem. Now Listen to me. He did not allow his problem or his situation to interfere with him going to the house of God. I was just reading this week and doing some study, and over in Luke chapter 13, of that woman that was for 18 years was bowed together. She could not lift herself up. How many remember that story? She was bowed together, couldn't lift herself up. But where did she receive her healing? It was in the house of God. So no matter what her condition was, she didn't use that for an excuse not to attend the t- the place of worship. You know, um, in, in my years of pastoring, I've heard people, you know, and and experienced situations where people have had problems in their life and going through difficulties in their life and and begin to miss church because of those problems. And you talk to them about why they haven't been in church. And I've, I've actually had people tell me this. Well, I'll be back to church as soon as as I get some of the problems worked out in my life. And when things get back in order, then I'll be back in church. Do you know that that is a ploy of the enemy? amen, to keep people out of church. Do you know that that's the very place that people need to be when they're having problems? That's the very thing that people need when they're going through difficulties in life. And that's the very first thing that the enemy wants to try to do is pull you away from the house of God because it's here that we have fellowship with one another. We can strengthen one another. We talked about that in that men's meeting the other night, you know about pouring into one another's life and that was one of the things that that the writer of Hebrews talked about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together And, and the NIV said to speak spur one another on. And I, I always liked that translation because we, that's what coming together in the house of God does. We encourage one another. And if there's one place that people with problems and people in trouble and people with withered lives, the one place they need to be is with God's people in the house of the Lord. It's in God's house is where you can have an encounter with Jesus that will change your withered situation. Can I get an amen here tonight? Amen. Woo, I was just talking to Brother Andy back there. We were talking before church, you know, about, about the faithfulness of people in attending church and that type of thing. And I remember, and I told him, I said, I can remember that used to. I mean, you look around in the church anymore. It's not just here, but it's a lot of places. You look around, and five minutes before service time, there ain't nobody there. And ten minutes after is when they come in. Somebody needs to say amen with me. But I said, I remember the time when, um, you know, if church started on, on Sunday night at 6, people would get in there around 5.30. They got in early. What did they do? They fellowshiped. They visited with one another. They talked and they shook hands and they, they visited each other. Amen. What's, what's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just talking to you out of my heart. But I don't know what's happened anymore. That people don't want to come and fellowship with one another in church before the services. Amen. That that part won't cost you anything amen it wasn't in my notes but it won't cost you anything but but here's the the thing see it's important this man knew I believe that he had it in his heart that if he could get to the house of God that something miraculously might happen in his life he didn't allow his problem to keep him away from the fellowship of the saints and coming to the house of the Lord and hearing the word of God and that's where Jesus was and And as I said, it said that Jesus was again in the the synagogue. In Luke's gospel, it said now it happened on another Sabbath that Jesus entered the synagogue. So you know what that tells me? Even today, that every time that you and I show up at church, Jesus is going to be there. Come on. Amen. You don't ever have to worry about Jesus not showing up in the house of God because where there are two or where... There are three that are gathered together in my name. He said, I will be there in the midst of them. Praise God for his presence. Amen. But this man knew, man, if I can get to the house of God, you know, something could happen in my life. If he had missed this particular service on this particular Sabbath, he would have missed a miracle that would have changed, that would change, that was going to change his life. And I really believe that we miss out on some of the greatest blessings when we don't attend God's house on the Lord's day. Amen? You know, Sunday is not, you know, it's not, it just seems like another day to people anymore. It's just, it's, you know, some people say, well, I, you know, I work all week. And and, um, and and so Sunday is my day to go out and fish or play golf or whatever. And that may be the case, you know, with a lot of folks and what a lot of people think. But I'm going to tell you what. There's nothing that's, that is as important today in your life as making God your priority and being, being number one in your life, Amen. Say Amen or all Me, but I'm preaching. To, I believe I'm preaching to the choir. Y'all are here, right? But we miss out on those blessings when we fail to attend the house of the Lord. Don't ever let the devil deceive you into thinking that church is not the place to go when your life is empty and when your life is void and when your life is withered. That's one of the things that Satan tries to do is isolate people away from the fellowship of the saints. I thought about old Elijah when he's running from Jezebel. You know, he had a great uh, revival service on Mount Carmel, and he calls fire down from heaven, and a bunch of people turn to the Lord and get saved. And, then he's experiencing a great victory. Praise prays rain down after three and a half years. But then Jezebel sends him a message and says, Well, you know, you've killed all the prophets of Baal. I'm getting you, old boy. I'm killing you. And Elijah takes off, and he flees and he starts to run from Jezebel. Amen. And uh, But the Bible says that Elijah, when he was fleeing, he went as far as Beersheba, and then he left his servant there. So his servant was with him until they got to Beersheba. And then he left his servant there, and he went on by himself. That's when he got isolated. He got away from his friend, his servant, from everybody else. And he was isolated, and that's... when he got under a juniper tree and had a pity party. Is anybody with me? And he had a pity party and he said, Well, I can't get get anything done. Nobody's for me. Everybody's against me. Lord, I'm the only one left living for you anyway. Why don't you just kill me? Why don't you just take me on? Let me die. I've had enough. Ain't nobody ever been in that place, have you? Praise God. I've just had enough. Somebody said Elijah was suicidal well he wasn't suicidal he was down in the dumps he was discouraged and he was having himself a little pity party he didn't re- he wasn't suicidal he didn't want to die he really didn't because if he really wanted to die all he had to do was stay where he was and Jezebel would have accommodated him That's why he's running. Because he don't want to die, but he's feeling sorry. His soul got a little bit withered. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But he got to a place by himself. And that's when we need one another and we need the house of God. It's the best place to be for withered, empty, void lives. There is no place like God's house. Amen. To be With God's people and to worship God corporately. Woo! I get in, you know, I get in my prayer room every morning. I put on some music, some worship music, some different kinds of music. Uh, to worship by. And I get in there and, and and I pray and I worship and I commune and fellowship with the Lord and have some wonderful times every morning. Amen. Just me and the Lord. Hallelujah. But you know what? Uh, I still, even though I do that every day of my life, I still have to be together. Want to be together with God's people and pray, sing those praises. And worship Worship corporately with one another. There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, you know, there's an individual anointing we have, but oh, when the church comes together, there is a corporate anointing as well that just blesses us and refreshes us and 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 encourages us. Can I get an amen? So this is that he was in the right place, amen. He attended the right place, and that's something that that uh, we need to understand for those who have withered with lives, they need to be in the right place. But he also attracted the right person. Oh, hallelujah. He was not only in the right place by being there in the house of God, but he got the attention of Jesus. He got the attention of Jesus. Jesus noticed him. And these Pharisees and scribes that were there Knew They were watching Jesus, right? I mean, these religious. Oh, don't you just hate religion? Huh? Praise God. Because these religious, these religious Pharisees were just watching Jesus because they knew he couldn't resist. Here's a man in the synagogue needs healing. And they know Jesus can't resist healing him. And they're ready to nail him to the wall for healing on the Sabbath day oh they, they want to make sure he keeps their religious rituals and so their hindrance to the service amen they're hindering they're, they're, they're kind of like hindering spirits that are there but Jesus dealt with those hindering spirits and they knew they knew they were watching every move that Jesus was making trying to find a reason to accuse him the scripture said but Jesus knew what they were thinking he knew their thoughts so Jesus just asked them he knew what he's getting ready to do he's getting ready to heal this guy and so he just asked them is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil to save life or to kill and that's what he came to do to save amen he came to do good and he came to save and this question that he asked them exposed the evil desire of their heart and you know what it did it silenced them it shut them up they had no answer for the the Lord because see look they're not going to say well the Sabbath day you're supposed to do evil they ain't going to say that but then if they say well on the Sabbath day you're supposed to do good he say well I'm glad you agree with me because I'm getting ready to heal somebody I'm getting ready to do something good so he had them amen It wasn't no answer that they had oh don't you just love how Jesus dealt with those religious hypocrites amen And with those hindering spirits he knows what to do in every situation Praise God. And so he's dealt with the hindrance. He silenced them. He exposed the hindrance. He removes it. And the Bible said that he was anger and grieved. And he looked upon roundabout upon them with anger. Amen. And so now he knows, here's this man that is in need. There's one there that's got a problem, a special need, and he's beyond human help. He needs a supernatural uh, miracle in his life. And so this man's condition draws the attention of Jesus. I think that's so important. Because this man didn't call on the Lord you know, Bartimaeus, he's out there, you know, when, he, when he's, you know, he's blind and he says, what's all the commotion? And they said, well, Jesus is coming by. And then as soon as he hears that, he starts hollering. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Heal me. Help me. And uh, they tried to shut him up he wouldn 't shut up. he just cried out the more amen but but this guy 's not not asking for help he 's not praying he 's not asking, but he draws the lord 's attention and this is this is, you know this is so exciting to me is because I believe that that the Lord is drawn. His attention is drawn to our problems and our needs and our situations. And and you know what? We just don't really realize how much God wants to help us in our times of need, in our times of trouble. We, we spend our time, please help me, Jesus. Please help me, Lord. He wants to help you. He wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. He wants to bless you. As a matter of fact, He's already provided everything that you need and every blessing that you need. He's given it freely to you. Amen. And he draws, his attention is drawn to this man. I don't know if there were some other people maybe there that needed healing or not. But the only thing that we do know here is that Jesus is drawn to this need. And he's drawn to your need. He's drawn to your impossible situation. He sees, listen, Jesus sees value in you and in your withered life. And he wants to restore every area of our life to remove every hindrance that would stop him from giving you what you need in your life so the man's in the right place and he gets the attention of the right person and now he is about ready to accept and receive the right provision as I mentioned in the beginning of this message that this man's right hand is paralyzed it's the symbol, the right hand is the symbol of strength and power in the scriptures. So, this is telling us that if it is his right hand is all withered, he's without strength and power and might and authority. He's literally, totally, completely disabled. But what does Jesus do? His attention is drawn to the man, and Jesus. Commanded him there to step forward. Jesus calling him out. Amen. And he's not calling him out. He's calling him to stand before the congregation but not to embarrass him. He's not calling him out to make fun of him. But here's what it was. Somebody said, well, why is he he even doing that? Jesus is calling him out because he had to reveal his need. Now, listen to this. He's got to reveal his need before he can be healed. His need has got to be made known and presented before he can receive the healing. He had to reveal that need this was of course a humbling experience, but he was saying Jesus was saying it doesn't matter. You know what anybody thinks doesn't matter. Uh, any what anybody thinks or says. You know what I'm going to get what I need from Jesus, and that's what the, the that's what he was doing by calling him out and him presenting that need to him. He's not trying. See, here's the thing. So many times we want to try to hide our problem. We want to cover it up. We want to hide it. We we don't want to make it known. We don't want anybody to even know that we have a situation or a problem. But here's the thing. Jesus is having him to reveal it. He's not trying to cover it up, but he's bringing it to the Lord. When he's ready to come to Jesus, then Jesus is ready to heal him. When he's ready to step out, when Jesus calls him out and says, stand forward, when he's ready to come and acknowledge his need, then Jesus is ready to heal him. I've had people that I knew that had needs, and you have an altar call and have a prayer line, and they'll sit back and not come for prayer. You know, if you you have a need or if you need a healing, whatever you're going through, come and let us pray with you, and they never come. And then later on, they'll say, I've I've even had them say, I should have came. Yeah, you should have. Amen. You know, somebody said, well, can't, can't the Lord meet my need, me sitting back in my seat? Well, He can, but He's wanting us to present that to Him, to come to Him, to step out and take that step of faith to come and believe Him to give us that restoration that we need in our life. Amen. So when Jesus had him to stand forth, He said to him, stretch out your hand and I love this he said stretch out your hand and and the bible said there that he when when Jesus told him to do that he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole uh, as the other. I love the word restored. It was restored. What was withered had been made whole as the other. Praise God. See, when the man proved his faith in the Lord, then the Lord proved his power to heal him. Amen? He didn't say, see, and here's the thing. This guy didn't say, I can't stretch forth my hand. Oh, hallelujah, y'all are not getting with me tonight. I can't stretch it forth. Can't you see it's withered? Can't you see that it's paralyzed? Well, I can't stretch that hand out. He could have said that, but he didn't. Amen. He, If he does that, his hand's not going to be healed. But he had to obey, and he had to act his faith, and he had to do what the Lord told him to do. I hear people sometimes, and I've heard them say, you know, Brother Rick, I, I just can't be healed. I just can't get well. I just can't believe. I really, I just don't have any faith. Let me tell you something. If you are a Christian, please, please, please don't say that. Don't say, I don't have any faith. Don't say, I can't believe. Do you know that you can say just as easily, you can say, I do believe God. I do believe God's word. Amen. Isn't that simple? Come on, amen. You can say, I do believe. I do have faith. It's just as easy as you can say, well, I just can't believe. It's just so hard to believe. I just can't have any faith. Because let me tell you something. If you, you and I'm, I'm assuming everyone here in this service tonight is saved, and if you're here tonight and you're born again, you're saved, you have been given a measure of faith according to the Bible. You had to have faith to get saved. God gave you faith and placed faith. In your heart and spark faith in your heart to even get born again. If you are saved, you have faith. You are a believer, right? Believers do what? They believe. Amen. You're not an unbeliever. You're not a doubter. Hallelujah! You need to get out of be out from among being a doubter and a powder and come on over and be a shouter. Praise the Lord. See, we've got to change the way we think and the way we we look at things and the way we, what we say. See, you, we, we need to change that to, well, you know, I believe I can be healed. I believe the Lord wants to heal me. I believe that I will be healed. Hallelujah, amen. You, well, I don't know if he does or not. Well, that, that's where you got to change your, your, your believing to know that he does want to heal your withered life and touch your body and bless your life and meet your needs. You've got to know that he wants to do that in your life. You know, Jesus always demanded action before he healed people. Did you ever notice that? I mean, all through the Gospels, I mean when he when he was dealing with lame people, when he's dealing with the lame, what'd he say? Rise up, take up your bed and walk. He spoke a command, and they obeyed. And when they obeyed what the Lord said, healing came, deliverance came. Amen? The one guy, you know, at the Pool of Bethesda, I guess he was the closest one that wouldn't obey because he's laying there for 38 years, couldn't, you know, crippled for 38 years at the Pool of Bethesda. And every um, certain season an angel came down, troubled the waters, and the first one in got healed. I've often wondered, I'd have had somebody scoot me over there next to the edge of that thing. Amen? (laughs) Because Jesus comes. And and there's a whole multitude of impotent folks, of lame folks, of sick folks that are there. And the first one in, the pool gets healed. And they all got their eyes on the pool. And Jesus walks in there, you know. And, uh, you know, and I've heard oh help me jesus I, I I hear these 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 um these people that are always always condemning and criticizing those of us who believe in healing and you know and they they criticize preachers that pray for the sick and they say that they that we claim to be healers. I've never claimed to be able to heal anybody. I am not a healer. Jesus Christ is the healer. And he still heals today. But what he has told me and every believer to do is to lay hands on the sick, anoint them with oil, and pray the prayer of faith. And the Lord will heal them. And the Lord will raise raise them up amen we're just obeying the scripture by anointing with oil and laying hands and praying we can't do the healing we just do the laying on the hands and we believe that jesus will do the healing and the lord will raise them up Woo! hallelujah but i get these guys they just frustrate me so bad because i'll watch once in a while some of these guys on youtube and they say, Well, if these guys are really such healers, why don't they start at the hospital? Why don't they just go through and clean out the hospital? You do you know what that is the most stupid asinine thing anybody could ever say? That's what they would say. That's what Jesus would do. They don't even know their Bible. Jesus went to this pool of Bethesda which was a hospital of sorts in that day where there was a multitude of sick and impotent people there. And how many did he heal? One. Why didn't he clean that hospital out? Somebody's got to have some believing. There got to be some believing on our part. But Jesus said to that dude at the pool there, he said, will you be made whole? And he almost missed it. Well, he said, I don't have nobody to put me in the pool. Every time I get ready to get in it, somebody gets ahead of me. Somebody beats me to it. That's what I said. I would have told them, scoot me up there to the edge. Amen. I'm going to roll over. (laughs) As soon as I see that water, (laughs) I'm rolling into that thing, praise God. But Jesus told him, though, you know, and he said, well, I don't have nobody to put me in the pool. And Jesus said, take up your bed rise and take up your bed and walk and he obeyed he didn't sit there and say I can't do that I'm waiting for the water to be troubled he obeyed the word of the master and the miracle came he was restored and Jesus always demanded action he said to the leper go show yourself to the priest he said to the blind man go he's he spitting oh, Jesus spit on the ground boy I tell you what if, we, if we'd follow some of the things Jesus did he spit on the ground. Amen. Wouldn't Anthony Fauci love this one. He spit on the ground and made him some, some mud and clay out of that clay and took that mud that was made out of his saliva and spread it on that dude's eyes. And he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Amen. He could have said I'm blind. I can't even find the pool of Siloam. But he went and he found the pool and he did what Jesus said and washed the mud. I can imagine Jesus' anoint him said here's mud in your eye praise God go wash and he went and washed and he came back with his vision totally restored he came back seeing amen because Jesus always demanded an effort hallelujah the Lord told Naaman to dip seven times in Jordan he told the widow to borrow empty vessels not a few he told the wedding party to fill the water pots with water there was always an effort demanded and to this man he said stretch out your hand and when he stepped forth and stretched it out he was restored and made whole just like the other Jesus has come to restore our withered lives can somebody give him praise amen God, help us tonight. Worship team, come on back, please, if you would. See, we need to just examine ourselves, look at ourselves tonight. There's times that I just feel, anybody ever feel withered? Huh? Like an orange or a lemon that's just been squeezed until all the juice is squeezed out and there ain't nothing left but some pulp. Worse than even being squeezed, putting on one of them dudes that my grandma used to have. Man, i give you one of them numbers. Anybody ever, <laughs> anybody ever felt like you have been rung through that? When you pull that orange off of there or that lemon off of there, man, there ain't nothing left. It's completely withered up. And I feel that way in my spirit a lot of times, you know. We go through those times. that we feel helpless. We feel powerless. We feel like that we're not being effective. The joy has withered out. And it's just not there. Discouragement comes in. We've lost our youthfulness and our usefulness. And we just need to be restored. Hallelujah. And He said, I've come to restore. And that's the whole teaching of this miracle. The lesson in this miracle. I've come to restore your withered life and situation. He restores our soul. Our mind, our wills, our emotions, our bodies, physically, spiritually, emotionally. He wants to restore that withered life.